I'm Chalanga. I'm Dylan. And this is the CND NVA show. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? I'm coming to you live from St. Louis, Missouri. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to say it like I'm from here, Missouri. Does that sound that good? Nice. That was nice. Thank you. you. I'm going to come back from it with a southern drawl. You're going to not even recognize me. <laughs> well, welcome to the pod. I uh, don't know if I was going to be able to record today, but you know, I am committed to you, our fans, showing up. Not to um, me, baby. No, not committed to Dylan at all. I don't. I don't care about him. Um, you know I what he did to about... me, guys? We were huh. supposed to be doing this three hours ago. <laughs> yep. Hey, I could have said I'm on vacation. I'm not recording, but I did anyway. So, and it's not the first time that I've recorded on vacation, and it won't be the last. <laughs> so, here we go. Let's get going. Let's start with some real stupid news first. Gordon Hayward is set to miss at least four weeks with a foot injury yeah uh, currently the charlotte hornets are the fourth seed in the east uh they're 25 and 23 but the a seed in the east boston is only 1.5 games back dylan do you think that the charlotte hornets will be able to avoid the play-in game no there's no way that they're gonna avoid the playing game <laughs> i don't think that they're gonna have home court for the play-in games or whatever <laughs> playing games like, it's going to be really tough for them to make it into the top eight now. And I would say that there's also probably a good chance, without looking at the standings right now, but I've seen them recently, there's a good chance of them dropping to 11. Well, the problem is the Bulls. I mean, and the Bulls could go on a run, but the Bulls currently sit in the 10 seed, and they're 20 and 28. So they are... Quite a bit back. Oh, I'm actually checking the standings based on the games tonight. And the Charlotte Hornets have already dropped down to five. They're tied for five with the Atlanta Hawks. Miami has officially passed them. And behind them, they have the Hawks, the Knicks, the Celtics, the Pacers, the Bulls. And the Bulls and are the only Raptors four and a half. 11. And the Bulls are only four and a half games back. Yeah, so, this could be bad for the Charlotte Hornets. Yeah, I, I could see them dropping to 10 easily. I don't know. Yeah, the Raptors, it looks like they're kind of tanking, even though Nick Nurse came out today, I think, and said, I hate tanking. Uh, and I trust him on that one, but I just I don't know exactly if the Raptors or Wizards are going to have it in them, even though neither team is looking to tank right now. I mean, Bradley Beal was injured this week. How injured is he? Do you know? Like, he is on our fantasy team, so we should probably, I should probably know. He's not that, he's not that injured. He's, okay, uh, he, he won't miss too many more games, so... I'll, it would behoove the Raptors to tank, but I think you're right that they won't. Anyway, I the the Charlotte Hornets are really at risk here. This is why at the I was very low on them because Gordon Hayward's injury history it just like seemed faded that he would miss some significant time, and here we are. I mean, this is at least a month of basketball, and there's not that many games left, so this this could be really bad for the Hornets. Absolutely. So a little bit about the Hornets since LaMelo Ball, though. I just wanted to shout this out because they were playing unbelievable basketball. They were five and two. Everyone was seated in the playoffs except for the Wizards uh, in this seven game stretch. They were five and two. And one of the one of the losses was against the Suns team that they lost by four in overtime. So they were still playing well without LaMelo Ball. And I I want to point that out because we are Anthony Edwards Rookie of the Year stands here. Yeah, they've been balling out. And Terry Rozier is great. Uh, Devontae Graham's pretty tight. Miles Bridges has gotten way better. Um, it's they, They're playing with confidence. I just don't think they, they have it in them to, to keep the winning up at this rate. Um, next. 
Glad to have Scary Terry on our fantasy team. (laughs) Oh, God. He's been such a ballast this season. It's like we have been hit by injuries. We have CJ McCollum. We have Carl Anthony Towns. We have Bradley Beal. We actually dropped Michael Porter Jr. because he he was injured and he sucked at the beginning of the season. I'm kind of regretting that at this point. Oh, my God, you idiot. Um, What? It seemed like he wasn't getting as much playing time as he needed. I literally drafted him just for you. Yeah, well. Anyway, we've been hit. We've been hit by the injury bug hard, and Terry has been there, but played like, almost every game. Terry without Lamelo and Gordon Hayward. I mean, he's gonna be unleashed. Get ready for yeah. ISO Terry. Uh, all right, it's good. Good for our fantasy league. Uh, up next, we have the Portland Trailblazers are signing Dylan, your guy, Rondé, Hollis Jefferson. Okay, I have a question for you, Chalenga. Is he going to play yeah. in the playoffs? Uh, is he going to play in the regular season? <laughs> I don't, like, I don't know. As far as though, like, if if he's going to play some like backup like center for them, because right now like Carmelo Anthony is playing backup center. So if they can have someone with more what about defensive Ennis upside, and his Cantor has been hurt. He hasn't been playing. Oh, yes, he played yeah. last. He played against the against OKC yesterday. Oh, I guess what I well, what I've seen is that a lot of this season they've ended up playing, and like Ennis Cantor is not going to be able to play in a lot of playoff series, right? Like he's kind of in the playoffs, he's either going to give you a really good game or he's going to be unplayable, right? And so having if you if you want to play small, and you have Jefferson, Covington, Derek Jones Jr. as your three, four, five, that's like switchable and defensively stout. I, I think it's interesting. You know, I'm not a big RHJ fan, but it's interesting. Yeah, it's definitely an an injury insurance signing. But Nasir Little doesn't have to play now. Harry Giles' experiment Mm -hmm. is kind of over for the season, I think. And so he slots right in there in like that 9 or 10 spot, which is not going to be playing in the playoffs because they're going to have C.J. McCollum playing all of those backup point guard minutes. So they're probably going to be down to eight players or less. But I do yeah. like that they got some size because we both are worried about their size. I mean, I thought Derek Jones Jr. was like 6'7", but all of a sudden this year he shrunk to 6'5 on basketball reference. Norman Powell, what was he, 6'3 or some shit? They're just so small. And them getting Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, with all of the shooting that they do have, if they are going to go small, if they're not going to play Cantor or Yusuf Nurkic, it's, it kind of makes sense to just play Rondé Hollis Jefferson. You know, what? I'm with you. I'm I'm curious to see how much he will play. I mean, he got cut by the worst team in the league. So uh, <laughs> we will see. Uh, so speaking mean. of small, the New Orleans Pelicans have signed Isaiah Thomas to a 10-day contract. Are you talking about the smallness of his height or the smallness of the length of the steel? <laughs> Uh, both. Uh, <laughs> this is a very small piece of news all around. Uh, so what happened to Nikhil Alexander-Walker? Is he hurt or something? Like, don't they want him to be play? Uh, I guess they want to make the playoffs, but like, that's not even going to happen with Isaiah Thomas. I don't know what this deal does. Well, it's just a 10 day, you know, they try him out. If, if he can be better than Nikhil Alexander-Walker, um, which I don't, I don't know. I don't really get it. I don't get it. They've got so many guards. They've got Bledsoe. They've got Lonzo. They've got Nikhil. They've got Kyra. I mean, they've got they got a lot of guys. They got to play. David Griffin really sucks. David Griffin sucks. <laughs> Up next, 
the Warriors on Friday night lost to the Toronto Raptors 130 to 77. <laughs> you heard that right, folks. Woo! A 53 point loss. Yikes. And they lost today 117 to 111. They are really going down the shithole because they are 23 and 27 now. Maybe that's why the Pelicans picked up Isaiah Thomas because they actually have a good chance of passing the Warriors here. I mean, with Steph Curry, Steph Curry's been out and it has not been good for the Warriors. This is why at the beginning of the season, I was so low on the Warriors. I wish I'd been lower on them. I had them, I think, at ninth. I probably would have, if, if it was just me, I had them lower than that, but I ended up drafting them ninth in our power ranking thing. And same thing as last year. This team without Steph Curry is I, one of the worst rosters in the league. <laughs> they did play tonight, though. Steph Curry with a cool 37 points Woo! in 37 minutes. Um, uh, yeah, they're, Steph they're is so good. I mean, he's good. He's good but not good enough to carry an Andrew Wiggins team. I just want to share an Andrew Wiggins stat of the day here. His on-off differential, according to Cleaning the Glass, currently is at negative 3.5. That is the worst of his career, not only by a little bit, but by 3.4 points per possession. Oh, my God. The worst point differential he had had previously was in Minnesota, with a negative 0.1, but that was, I wow. think that was just for that half of the season, the, or like the two thirds of the season that he played in Minnesota. Well, I would say it's because the Wolves benches are, have been so bad, but the Warriors bench is so bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And Andrew Wiggins is also very bad. I hate to Dude. say it. I love to say it. He's very bad. And no matter what we say, all these warrior stands will never get it. They will, I mean, maybe in a couple of years, they'll sour on him. Like when, when the Warriors don't make the playing game this season, maybe then they'll start to sour on him. I think so. I think that's what we're waiting Uh, for right now. And when Steph Steph demands a trade, then they'll sour on Andrew Wiggins. (laughs) Oh my God. Steph to the Lakers, baby. Oh Uh, my God. (laughs) All right. In our next piece of, oh, you you want more? No, no, no. I don't have anything. All right. In our next piece of news, the Milwaukee Bucks, and Drew Holiday it, uh, agreed to a four-year max extension. Was it four years? I think so. The most important part of the deal to me was that they only had to pay him $30 million a year, which is, at this point, in the size of the salary cap, not a max deal. I mean, like, in terms of uh, what he could have gotten this summer, which was $39 million a year. And Drew Holiday, with all of those picks that they gave up, had every single piece of leverage other than the fact that Giannis did sign the Supermax. But uh, yeah, he he they still had his bird rights, so they could have signed him to that $40 million a year contract. And so mm-hmm. I think that signing him now, especially before things sour, hopefully I'm rooting for the Bucks. They're a small town team, right? Uh, small market team. So we have to root for them as Timberwolves fans. But I am worried that if the Bucks don't win, that things could have gone south. So signing him right now was a very smart move by the bucks. Okay, so for clarity, it's $135 million guaranteed with bonuses that could get it up to $160 million and it includes a fourth year player option in the 24-25 season. Dylan, this is a disaster. 
it's a lot for Drew Holiday, but they already they already made that disaster trade at the beginning of the season. That's that was the disaster. Yep. They had to. Yep. They had to re-sign him. All right. So the Bucks investment, this is via ESPN. The Bucks investment in Holiday Antetokounmpo Middleton, even without incentives, totals 105 million this uh next season, 113 million the season after, and in 23-24, 120 million dollars for three players i get it i think that the cap is going to jump big maybe as soon as next season no i totally agree but i'm just talking about like like Giannis is the only like a1 guy like he's the a, only chris a, middleton okay. a2 <laughs> well, you and that's where you and I disagree. But Chris Middleton is a two on. If you squint on a good day, he's a number two. Uh, same with Drew Holiday. I mean, Drew, I'm, are we sure Drew Holiday is even a number three on a championship team? We like, are shall we sure? See. We shall see. No, we're not. We're we're sure that he needs to prove it. Yes, he does. I mean, it's gonna be a lot of pressure on John Horst the next few years. <laughs> It makes me kind of sick to my stomach thinking about all this money. So let's move on. Uh, Jalen Suggs for the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Is that what they are? They're Bulldogs? Yeah, that makes sense. But now I'm getting it confused with Georgia. He comes through in the clutch for the Zags versus uh, UCLA last night. I didn't watch, Dylan. assume you watched. I didn't watch the game, but I watched a couple of the highlights and... The reality, Jalen Suggs is the real deal. Awesome for Minnesota sports and Minnesota basketball. The question right now is, has he moved up past Mobley? Is he the second pick in the draft now? Well, I don't I don't know if Mobley was ever like solidly the number two pick. Like I think Cade has been the number one guy. But I, I even think there's an argument now that Jalen could be the number one guy because like he, I mean, he is... Really shown out during this tournament, and I mean, really all year. But I, yeah, I, I, I don't, especially Mobley's uh, tournament performance. USC, you know, didn't do that well. So I, I don't know. We'll see. In my opinion, I don't want the Wolves to draft him. I, I know that it's a great hometown story, and I love it for that one hundred percent. I just don't think personnel wise he fits in that well. And I know that he's listed at six four. But that seems like a college 6'4". I think he looks really small on the court. He's and that's little. against college mm-hmm. players. He might be 6'1", honestly. And so if he gets measured in whatever combine or whatever's going to happen at 6'1", that's going to be really tough on his draft stock. And Cade is just going to see so many better passing lanes throughout his career. So he will be able to be like an NBA-level passer. I have confidence in that. And mm-hmm. the question with little guys is just like, can they see the passing lanes and can they score down low? Can they prevent their shots from being blocked? And maybe, maybe he has incredible length so he can get it around the shot blockers, get it, get the shots around the shot blockers. But that's to be determined. He definitely has uh, all of the clutch genes with that last shot, but did he call bank? I'm not sure. Yeah. To me, he reminds me a lot of Damian Lillard. Like, I think that the way that he moves and, and, and plays is a lot like, especially a young Damian Lillard. Obviously, he's not, you know, 
shooting it from like way, way deep like Dame is these days. But he's he's got that range. I mean, he's got that real deep range. Um, and, and, and just based on the highlight that I saw right before him shooting that half court shot, he played defense like Dame Miller too, because he was doing everything to not help on defense. On that <laughs> yeah. And so I, they, they look to be about the same size and, you know, so if, if Jalen, Jalen Suggs is going to be a star, he's going to have to be as good or better than Damian Lillard on offense, which is going to be tough. And also Damian Lillard, is he the best player on a championship team anyway uh i think that i think that he is like a a 1b but he could win it with another 1b you know what i mean i agree i think he's that he's right up there with Giannis, in my opinion just because Mm -hmm. i think Giannis needs a creator who's right up there at, at one right and so i think lillard needs someone who is right up there as a one who is more of a defensive player so if that is the peak then what is the valley right I just think that there's a little bit too much stratified data on this to say that Jalen Suggs should be taken number one overall, if that makes sense. Take the six, eight guy. Just do yeah. it. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> I have him third. If we, if we can get him at three, I'll be fine with that. Yeah. Especially if the rumors about D'Lo being on the trade block are true. Not that, you know, the wolves would get anything for him, but if the wolves keep their pick and then trade D'Lo for something else, that's that's cool with me. They better get ready for Cat to walk out the door next, though. <laughs> Speaking of D'Lo, he's been upgraded from out to doubtful. Whoa! For Monday night's game against who are they playing? Ah, uh, the Kings. The Kings. Oh, I hope he comes back against the Kings because that could be a win. Dylan, by the way, I will not be watching because I will be somewhere in the woods. Yeah, probably Mark Twain National Forest or something. I don't know. I'll tweet for you. Uh, thank you. Are you writing this uh, weekend, by the way? No. <laughs> I'm not an did insane you, person. Did you tell Tom? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I told him okay, a few weeks in advance. Um, but I really, really hope that we can get like 15 games of D'Lo Beasley and Towns. I, I mean, I would really... I'll take 12 at this point. I just need, I need to see it. <laughs> we'll take anything. We are so down bad right now. Seriously. Just for some I just, basketball. D'Lo, Beasley, Edwards, McDaniels, Towns. That lineup is sexy, man. Mm. It's a good mix of offense and defense, especially because Ant has been playing much better defense lately. Oh my God. Like Ant against Tobias Harris was not getting moved. He was not getting Mm-mm. moved in the post. And and Tobias tried to take him there. He's like, oh, this guy's the same size as Josh Okogie. Oh, whoops, he's a brick wall. And Josh Okogie is very thrifty, but by no means is a brick wall. Let's uh let's transition now into Friday night's game. So on Friday night, the the Wolves lost to the Grizzlies 120 to 108. The Grizzlies seem to always just like beat up on the Wolves. And it's been years, like different like Grizzly teams something about that Memphis team. They just always beat up on the wolves, but the positive news is that Anthony Edwards continues to be an offensive dynamo on Friday night against the Grizzlies. He put up 22 points, three rebounds and six assists. And then Mm. last night against the Sixers, he was 27 points, one board, one assist, but he's putting the ball in the bucket, man. It's good to see. Yeah. I mean, yes, he had six assists. He also led the team with three turnovers um, or I guess he didn't lead the that's... team. Jalen Noel had four turnovers, but still, that's solid. I mean, you you don't want to turn the ball over against a team that's going to shoot 
48% from three and a lot of those in transition. But, <laughs> but overall, you know who else like, turns the ball over a ton? James Harden. It's fine. Like if you're, if you're, you know, if the ball's always in your hands, you can turn the ball over. It's about the type of turnovers though. Some of them are lazy yeah. passes where it's top of the key and you're crossing across the top of the key are really, really bad passes, bad turnovers to make. If you're throwing a tight pass in the paint, that is a fine turnover. Like you need to know when it's okay to take the chance. And right now, I don't think Ant knows that. Not that he can't figure it out because he is way smarter than people give him credit for. He's learning fast. He's learning really, really, really fast. Um, so that that is great. Some other things to note from Friday night's game. Jim Peterson on the broadcast said that Anthony Edwards could be playing point guard. What what do you think about Anthony Edwards as maybe not, you know, point guard nominally, but as the lead guard and like everything kind of running through him? I don't like him being the lead guard and everything running through him 100%. No, he's not ready for that. He won't be ready for that next season. But with Carl Anthony Towns on the court, you can afford to not start a point guard, right? Mm-hmm. And and you know, you have Jamal Murray I don't think Jamal Murray is that much better at creating for others than Anthony Edwards is or than Anthony Edwards has shown himself that he can be and most likely will be. So Mm -hmm. in the future, yes, I love that with Cat because Cat then can have the ball in the post, top of the key, everywhere, and you can have four guys just running around and able to score basically all of them on three levels, except Ant, who's not doing very well from the mid range. But uh, it, it's very, that is so enticing to me and definitely a lot more enticing than trying to play uh, Jordan McLaughlin 42 minutes against the biggest team in the league in the 76ers. But we'll get there. Oof, amen. Uh, you know, one of the reasons the Wolves lost to the Grizzlies is because they, I mean, the Grizzlies were shooting lights out from three. And part of it is because the Wolves were giving up a ton of open looks from three. The, the Grizzlies usually on the season, they've shot 35% from three. They're one of, they're in the bottom half of the league in three point shooting. And la, uh, Friday night, they shot 48%. I believe they made 18 threes on Friday night. I mean, it was just, it was absurd. Yeah, uh, and they, but... they gave too many attempts to their best three-point shooters. I mean, DeAnthony Melton was four for six. He's a 40% three-point shooter. And Grayson Allen was five for seven. Mm-hmm. How did we do this? And this isn't even the first time that we've let Grayson Allen do this to us. I feel like he's done this. Or he did this in the first, or maybe it was the second game that we had against the Grizzlies. It didn't, thankfully, happen too much with Dylan Brooks because he, thankfully, was not very good from inside the arc, but he was still two for three. For once. Yeah, for once. But yeah, it was very fun. It was a very fun game to watch. I enjoyed watching the, their rookies as well. Yeah, I think the, the the Grizzlies are a fun team. They're just they, like they they play with good energy and they they've got a lot of fun upcoming rookies. You know, it, it's it's funny cuz Ja had a bad game and I thought the Wolves did a good job at at, you know, really making Ja's life hard, but Everyone else, like the Grizzlies had like seven players in double digits. It was crazy. It was like a total team. Like they couldn't stop anyone else besides Ja. I mean, and Ja Ja had 14, which is low for Ja, but it was, they were just really running on the Wolves. It was crazy. I I have 11 here. Um, But he did that also on a, I mean, 
he he did it wasn't too efficient because he was three for six at the line, but seven field goal attempts. I mean, keeping him down to seven field goal attempts is great. But the reason why he had seven field goal attempts is because he was able to kick it out to a Grayson Allen. Right. Uh, Tom just texted me. He said, "Do you know what you're writing for tomorrow?" To be fair, I didn't remind him. But all right, time time to ask you a question, Dylan. Here's a little trivia question for you, okay? That that game was bad for me. You you liked watching it. I did not like watching it. So I'm just gonna <laughs> ask you a fun trivia question. The Wolves' net rating is second worst in the league at negative seven point seven. Which team has a worse net rating than the Wolves? The Rockets. No. Wait, let me look at the standings right now because I... Yep, yep, yep. Cavs, easy. It is the Cleveland Cavaliers, yes. <laughs> at a negative 8.3. Uh, so the, their offense is very bad. That's part of the issue. Their defense is better than the Wolves' defense, but their offense is like three points per 100 percentages worse. So... It's easy to have a or to have something that looks like a good defense on paper when you're playing three seven footers. <laughs> well, thank time. thankfully they're not doing that anymore, which is good. Let's talk about Saturday night's game. It was another loss to the Philadelphia 76ers, one twenty two to one thirteen. But the game was a little bit closer than that score. I mean, it really did did come down to the last few minutes, and and the Wolves just. Couldn't quite get it done within four with under two minutes. I mean, that's mm-hmm. all you can ask for against a team that is fully healthy with Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons and a bunch of other really and Tobias Harris has been playing near all star level this year. Yeah, well, it's crazy. I mean, the Wolves missed probably six to eight open layups. Anthony Edwards got blocked in transition like four times when you know he could have made a different choice. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And so like the game was definitely in the Wolves hands. Like the Wolves really could have won that game. I feel like Carl was in Joel Embiid's head, um, especially after that dunk. I mean, that dunk was crazy. Oh yeah. Uh, The Wolves have created the best faces of their opponents during a dunk. The Yuta Watanabe face, like, being blasted back and then that Joel Embiid uh Cristo Redentor pose and face yes a baroque painting it was oh it was it was absolutely beautiful perfect for the day before Easter Sunday truly absolutely yeah he got Um, crucified there yes he did but Carl put up 39 14 rebounds five assists a steal and a block led the team at plus four uh, he had a great game. He, I mean, he's been playing really well. He's been playing really, really well. So I'm not going to count the last two points that were scored against the Timberwolves because Carl was technically in the game when he fouled. So I'm going to count those against Carl. But so that let's just call him a plus two for the night, right? That means the Wolves were minus nine in the f- less than four minutes when he was off of the court. That is Yikes. atrocious. And yep. it just goes to show that Carlton Towns is a winning player and he's playing with a lot of young, young players. And this will change. And Carl's going to get a winning team. We got to believe in it. But I don't want to paint this with rose colored glasses because we tend to do that too much throughout the season as Wolves fans. And it's, I'm fucking sick of it. But Carl looked great. He looked exactly the way that he needs to look when he's playing against players like Joel Embiid, which we have we ever seen him play this well against 
a all-star center or someone who not against Joel. Yeah. Against someone who's this much bigger than he is. Mm -hmm. That was very encouraging for me. And he didn't even shoot well from three, which is what you would think he would need to do in order to be effective against Joel is get him to come out to the line and just shoot over him all night. But he was four for 12. I mean, Mm -hmm. the wolves played an, a subpar game and still stayed within like the limits of crunch time, which is awesome without Ricky Rubio, who like, yes, I know that we hate Ricky. We hate on Ricky Rubio. Everyone hates on Ricky Rubio. I think it's a little bit overblown, especially at this point, since he's been playing better, but like the biggest problem to me, I mean, it wasn't not having Malik Beasley. Yes. Maybe the Malik Beasley that we had before the suspension when he was actually making shots, but like it wasn't not having Malik Beasley. It was not having a floor general that really ruined us in the end because yes, Jordan McLaughlin had nine assists and two turnovers, but the floor general that I'm talking about is on the defensive end where Ricky Rubio is pointing and communicating the whole time and helping on defense. He's always, he always has, Uh, an eye on at least two offensive players. So Mm. it just helps. And it helps, as I've always said, having that size. Ricky Rubio is uh, 6'3", maybe even 6'4", listed. But Mm -hmm. uh, Jordan McLaughlin just does not have the size to match up against almost maybe literally any player on the Sixers. Every single player on the Sixers is 6'5", or over, except Seth Curry, who's still 6'2", and runs around like a gazelle and it's just tough for someone without length it is is tough for someone without length to chase this guy down because he can shoot without any space i uh i appreciate that that you bring up ricky rubio and not the malik beasley absence because you're right malik beasley has been like five of 50 (laughs) since returning you know he's been chucking up shots and missing them badly but you're right. Does play an important role, and, and like defensively, this team is so young, and and they need someone to uh, anchor them and to guide them. And Ricky really has been that because Carl just—it's not—he's not that. That's not who he is. That's n- never who he will be. Uh, but what really stood out to me this game is that the, this Wolves team is very small. Uh, you know, having Carl Anthony Towns as the biggest player on the roster. And I mean, he is big, he's quite large, but he's, he's way smaller than Joel Embiid and, and Joel and Dwight, who is only six, nine, but plays really big. It was, it was hard for, for the Wolves senders to handle that. Nasreed had five fouls. Towns ended up fouling out. Jared Vanderbilt played for a second. And it, I mean, he couldn't, he stood no chance against Joel Embiid. He played, for a minute and literally Chris Finch pulled him because he was like, that's not, it's not going to work, you know, <laughs> but will it work if you have Jared Vanderbilt on Tobias Harris instead of Josh Kogi? I think that was the biggest mistake was like, why are we starting Josh Kogi? He was a fringe starter to begin with. Like we know that he has trouble starting. And on top of that, like, Josh Okogie was starting against their power forward because mm-hmm. Jaden McDaniels had to cover Ben Simmons and he did a great yep. job against Ben Simmons. There were a couple times in transition, but where he didn't pick him up 
properly and and Ben Simmons got past him but like mm-hmm. he had a, an incredible steal against him I think or or maybe he blocked him twice but he was like all over the place Jaden McDaniels was the best option actually mm-hmm. on Joel Embiid he stole the ball from Joel Embiid twice mm-hmm. like well, he and- made him look silly and in help defense Jaden McDaniels was all over the place like he was so essential to what the wolves were doing to stay in the game even though he was not that good from the from the field at least yeah and well you can't fault Jaden mcdaniels for messing up in transition against one of the best transition players in the league you know like there are few players that are better than ben simmons in transition and he got most of his points in transition so you know yeah in the half court Jaden did a good job he did he did a he did a very good job you're right there um but yeah i think that starting you know and and we've all had our qualms with with vanderbilt but this is the type of game where you need that extra size and you need that defensive help and you know you can have ant guarding Danny Green, and that's not super detrimental. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then you've got Jaden Vanderbilt and Towns, and that's a solid defensive three, four, five. Then the question is, Dylan, who would you start at at the one? Like if you if you were coaching this game, because I know that you have all the skills to be an NBA coach. Um, who who would you start at the at the one? Because I assume that what you said it would be Edwards, McDaniel's, Vanderbilt, Towns, two through right. five. My rational side says Jalen Noel. Mm-hmm. My psycho side says Jarrett Culver. Oh, whoa. And hear me out. Like, we need to see more from this kid. Like, this is about finding out what he has. This, the rest of this season is about two things finding out what the a healthy Wolves t- roster has and finding out what fucking Jarrett Culver is we have to find it out because right now he's just wasting away playing eight minutes a game and he's playing great defense and he can chase Seth Curry around the court like he is the one player that I actually trust in in chasing around screens I mean maybe Josh Okoge too but like Josh Okoge's better in an iso uh, in isolation that's where Josh Okoge shines we know what Josh Okogie is, is the other thing. We need to find out what this second year player is who has like not shown up at all and has gotten injured for half of the season anyway. He uh, he made a three last night, which is exciting. The lineup that I want to see is Culver, Edwards, McDaniels, Wancho, and Towns. That way, <laughs> you're, you're surrounding Jarrett Culver by shooters and you still have like some pretty solid defensive capability. I think that would be an interesting, I I'd be into that. I'd even be into replacing Edwards with Jalen Noel just to see what it looks like to have like four shooters around uh, in air quotes around Jarrett Culver. (laughs) (laughs) But I think you're right. Like I, 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 I want to know, I want to know what Jarrett, Kurt Culver is. I, unfortunately, I don't think he's going to get the run because he's just not good enough right now. Yeah, um, too and... too often Towns was like, I'm not giving you the ball. Like, there was a hilarious moment during the game where Jarrett Culver was running down the court. He was the only thing close to a point guard that was on the court. And so he was ready for Towns to pass the ball. But Carl was like, no, I'm taking this right now, buddy. We are in crunch time. Or like, we're, we're in a close game. I don't think it was crunch time. But uh, that was so funny to me. And Jarrett Culver 
oftentimes, I think part of it is because he wants to establish himself back into the rotation because he's not getting any minutes. But like he is just so audacious. That's the best word yeah. for it. Yeah, truly, truly audacious. Um, all right. I'm going to wrap things up here. I have a game. It's a new game that I, I came up with this past week. Just I was, you know, just going through some some NBA stuff. You know how it goes. Sometimes you're just on the computer, just kind of looking at at different stuff. And I, I started realizing there were some players that I, I I was noticing. I was like, "You're that old, or you're only you're only that young." You know, like Andre Drummond, Buddy Heald are kind of the classic cases of like the guys that seem too young or too old, respectively. And so I I gathered a few players, and Dylan, we're gonna play. I called it who is older because I'm not creative, but uh, Dylan calls it cougar or cub. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. So you have to guess who is the cougar and who is the cub out of these <laughs> out of these uh, player uh, combos. OK, NBA player celebrity couples. All right. The, the first pair is Evan Fournier and Tim Hardaway Jr. Who is the cougar? Who is the cub? I would have said that Tim Hardaway Jr. was for sure younger than Evan Fournier. So I'm going to go, I'm going to reverse it because I think that you're leading me this direction, but I don't know if it's a double reverse. Hmm. And I'm going to say that Evan Fournier is the cub. You are correct. Evan Fournier is the cub. He is 28. Tim Hardaway Jr. is 29. They are about eight months apart. So that one's pretty close. Not all of them are that close, but up next. We have Dante Exum and Cameron Payne. Because Campaign only really came out last year, it seems like he's a rookie. But I think he is an old rookie. And Dante Exum came into the league at like 13. So <laughs> I'm going to say Dante Exum is the Cub and Campaign is the Cougar. Dylan, that is that is some good logic. Dante Exum is 25, Campaign is 26, and they are they are a full year apart. Yes. Good job. <clears throat> All right, up next we have James Ennis and Ennis Cantor. Oh, easy. Ennis Cantor is older. All right. Uh this is the first one that no, you wait, got wait. wrong. Ennis Damn it. Ennis Cantor is two years younger than James Ennis. <laughs> Damn it. The Ennis Cantor is only 20. The battle of the anus. Ennis Cantor is only 28 years old. What? He's younger than I am? Yeah, he's 28. He turns 29 on May 20th. Oh, thank God. I'm younger than Ennis Cantor. Is th that to me was so crazy when i saw he was 28 i like my mouth was agape i was like this dude seems like he's been in the league forever what the hell he's been out of the league <laughs> yeah what all right i got i got i got two more pairs for you uh the first one is uh dj wilson and stanley johnson i'm gonna say stanley johnson is younger but i'm not confident in that all right Stanley Johnson. You are correct. Cub, baby. Stanley, yep. Stanley is the Cub. DJ Wilson is the Cougar. I was like, because to me, if DJ Wilson is like, is perpetually young, you know, he's like that young Bucks guy, but he must have come into the league at like 
21 because he's already 25. Yeah, I feel like he was a G League person, if I'm mm. thinking correctly. Uh, but I am I could be completely off base of that because I did not. I'm sorry to all our podcast listeners, but I have not followed DJ Wilson's career. Uh, yeah, Wisconsin heard Wisconsin heard. I was right. From, he, uh, uh, so DJ's 25. Stanley Johnson is 24. And our last pair is Kelly Olynyk and Cody Zeller. I mean, Kelly Olynyk and Cody Zeller have been in the league. It seems to me like a similar amount of time. Kelly Olynyk has a baby face and Cody Zeller looks like a grandpa. He is 100% bald. He's like a seven foot version of the bald Mamba Alex Caruso. I'm going to say that Kelly Olynyk is older. Kelly Olynyk, cougar baby. Dylan, you are correct. You used good logic again. Of course, I would try to fool you. Kelly Olynyk turns 30 on April 19th. And Cody Zeller is 28 years old. Holy I can't believe it. Crap. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> Cody know. Zeller is is younger than I am. How do these guys look <laughs> so old? Cody Zeller turns 29 on October 5th. Oh my god, he is literally <laughs> three months younger than I am. I <laughs> feel like shit. I couldn't believe it. I could not believe it when I when I uh read that all right we have a upcoming soon dylan and i are going to do a redraft we should probably get a guest on for that one that sounds like a have a guest on for for a redraft the uh 2020 draft class i assume yeah that's what i was thinking i mean i was just writing it as i don't know just i i think what i want to do right now because the wolves they were in a bit of a slog for the timberwolves right now Mm -hmm. they are doing a stealth tank and we need to come up with some things to make this podcast actually fun. Because right now, there's not much to talk about in terms of actual Timberwolves basketball. Nope. I would love to do So we'll get a guest on soon here. Um, if you'd like to be a guest on our pod for our 2020 uh, NBA draft redraft, go ahead and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at CND NBA show. Nope. Just CND NBA. Um, <laughs> And uh, send us a, a DM on either of those platforms, or you can send us an email at cndnba at gmail.com. While you're listening to the show, don't forget to like and subscribe. Set it to auto-download, limit it to three episodes so that your phone isn't like clogged with podcast episodes, but that you're always downloading our podcast because it helps. Don't forget to tell your friends and you know watch the Wolves and, and try not to be sad, okay? Yeah! Dylan and I both wrote about Jade McDaniels last week. Um, I wrote about him first, and then Dylan copycatted me, and our boss Tom was really mad. He almost got Dylan almost got fired. Actually, it was really, mm-hmm. um, it was a really hard time for him. Uh, but he's he's still with ZC right now. He's still with Zone Coverage, so um, I'm grateful. And I actually really liked your article. It's about Jade McDaniels' chances to make the an All Rookie Team. Yeah, um, times are so tough you want right to you want to break down the odds for us? I don't know exactly what the odds are. I think Mm -hmm. that he has an inside chance. I think he's on the inside looking out, if that makes sense. Who who are the locks for for all rookie right now? Who are the locks? I think that there are only four locks right now for the all rookie team. And that's Mm -hmm. obviously LaMelo. IQ, Manuel Quickly is in there, as I call him, the adverb. And (laughs) Ant. And then Tyrese Halliburton is the fourth. Well, he's probably the third in that list. 
other than that, there are some rookies that are playing really good ball, but it's kind of all over the place. There's no one who's definitively better than everyone else. You know, um, mm-hmm, you got mm-hmm. Jay Sean Tate, who's the technical rookie just because he was playing in the G league. He is so good defensively. Like honestly, it's close between him and Jaden McDaniels in terms of who is making a bigger defensive impact for their team. You have Sadiq Bay, James Wiseman, because typically they do pick like the guys at the top of the draft naturally. Same thing with Patrick Williams, P Willie, as some are calling him. I like that nickname. Isaac Okoro has been having a tough season, but he was drafted high. So he has a good chance of getting some votes. Um, Jaden McDaniels is actually leading the league right now in on-off differential. That's his best case right now, or leading the league in on-off differential for rookies, I should say. He still has, in my article, at the time of the article, he had an eight-point point differential per 100 possessions for the Timberwolves, which means he was scoring, or the, when he was on the court, the Timberwolves are scoring eight points per 100 possessions more than they are when he is off the court. So that is uh it, that was an 88% at, at the 88% uh percentile that has dropped to 8.0 and now he's at 87% but still he's leading all rookies in that category. He's also since since the All-Star break he is shooting 65% true shooting. He has a 65% true shooting percentage. That is unreal and is actually a real sample size at this point with like I think 13 games. Yeah, he's been playing well. I just looked it up. Jay Sean Tate is uh, three months younger than Dante Exum. <laughs> he's a 25-year-old rookie, uh, which is which is really something. But I, I like Jade McDaniel's odds. You know, it all depends on on how much attention uh, the Timberwolves get. I think if the Timberwolves can can play decent ball um, once Delo's back. He's got a better shot, but if they keep wallowing in obscurity, then I, I just think that there are there are players with a bigger bigger lens on them that w- will get the vote. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough to be the worst team in the league because it's going to be tough to get two rookies on the all yes. rookie team. Yes, it would. Um, but I, I really liked your article. Everyone should go read it. It was it was really good work. And, you know, even though Tom was mad and he's listening to this, I know he's listening to this. And if um, you want to see the tape, which is completely different than my article, which was probably more on the statistical end, then read Chalanga's article because it had fantastic tape on it. Yeah. Thanks to Dylan and uh, our friend at Threesley, Timberwolves Talk. Make sure you follow him on Twitter. And we got to get him on the pod. Maybe he'll come on for the 2020 redraft. Who knows? Yeah. Um, anyway, thanks again for listening. We love you all. And don't forget to do the stuff, all right? Bye. Bye.